Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bears on Tap, a podcast about the Chicago Bears presented to you by On Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. And today I'm joined by my co hosts, Ron and Quentin. You can follow Ron at Loose on Tap. He's up in the left hand corner. And then you could follow Quentin at Butkus Stats, and he is on the bottom shelf of the screen this evening. But it's game week. So week one of the NFL season, the first game of the NFL season is tomorrow night with Rams Bills. But we are here to discuss our Chicago Bears. They are hosting the 49ers at Soldier Field. There's new turf. Ron, we'll talk about the turf uh, a little bit later on in the show. But first and foremost, let me check in with my co-host and then we'll get into the festivities for this week. Ron, how are you today, my guy? It's been a while since you've talked. Yeah, it feels good to be back talking some Bears football with you guys, and uh, I'm 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 just here to prepare myself for Sunday. I can't wait. Uh, it's it's finally game week, boys. I'm so excited, uh, happy to be back talking football with you guys. Hugh, how about you? Man, this is this is the best week of the year. Like ever since the end of the draft, that last you know that Mister Irrelevant pick, it's just been like trying and not not just from a content perspective but from just a general fan perspective trying to find stuff to talk about to care about to like to make in the news try to find little itty bits of relevant topics and that's done we're here it's over we made it's it over. to the finish line and it's time to start watching real football every single week what, what is it now three three days of the seven days in a week we get NFL football for the next what five months. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. The, the quest to 17 and 0 starts this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but week one opponent is a team that we played last year in the San Francisco 49ers. Some things have changed though. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be the starting quarterback this Sunday, or at least until that changes. But right now it's Trey Lance. And Trey Lance is a guy that for lack of better terms, just kind of came out of nowhere and jumped in front of fields on the draft board in NFL GM's eyes and all sorts of stuff. So not only you taking that into consideration, you taking the fact that the Niners did end up picking Lance over fields. So with those two motivators for fields, what do you think like that will factor into his type of preparation and performance for this game, knowing that it's like, hey, this guy kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't like that Trevor was ahead of me to begin with, and now you put Trey ahead of me too. And then it's the team that picked Trey Lance as well. So, Yeah, I mean, he uh, his whole life from like his junior year of high school until the day he was drafted, he was either number one or number two on all the ranks, and he was always battling with Trevor Lawrence for it. And then Trey Lance just leapfrogged him. I had nowhere. And I mean, honestly, no one saw him falling that far in that draft, like falling to 11. That was insane. So happy it happened. I'm still, I mean, going into that draft, I thought he might've been the best quarterback in in that draft. And uh, I I still think that might be true. Um, I'm excited to watch him play. I know. I mean, like we were talking about last week, Justin Fields got that dog in him. I know that I know that it, it, it makes him work a little harder. He he likes that chip on his shoulder and that uh that little extra motivation from it. Um and I I love to see it. I'm excited to watch him play and I'm hoping he uh he he counts out the draft picks as he scores touchdowns. 
Yeah, and, and Q, you said it best, right? Chip on his shoulder. And you know he's going to play like that, I think, all season long. He's heard the critics all off season talking about all oh, how bad he was in his rookie year and, you know, oh, he couldn't do this and he couldn't do that. He hears all the naysayers talking about, you know, oh, he's the fourth quarterback off the board in that draft. And, you know, Trey Lance went before him and Zach Wilson and, you know, and, and Trevor Lawrence. And, yeah, like you said, Q, I hope he's counting picks on his fingers after he scores touchdowns. Because I'll tell you right now, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think he should have slipped beyond the top six in that draft, even if he was the fourth quarterback taken. The fact that the Bears kind of lucked out, truthfully, and got him at 11 and how good he's looked in the preseason. I mean, and and Darnell Mooney said it too, guys. I, I, I know you both probably saw the quote and for our listeners. Hopefully you guys did too. Darnell said that, They've been running like three to four plays the entire preseason. It's been the very elementary base concepts of this offense. Like, wait till they at least start to take the training wheels off. Who knows what Fields can do in this offense, and it's tailored to his strengths. I again, I hope, I hope the Bears just mollywop the 49ers and Justin's running off the field, just counting those picks up on his hands, staring at him like Patrick Mahomes did last season. I'm I'm ready for it. I, like you said, he's got that dog in him. I'm ready to see it on Sunday. See, and I think, too, with the Bears, it's a team full of guys that have something to prove. It's not just Justin Fields. It's the Darnell Mooney's of the world. It's the David Montgomery's of the world. Talk about a guy like Tevin Jenkins. He's trying to prove what he can do to even our team, much less the rest of the league. You know what I'm saying? So I think going into this week's matchup, you're seven-point underdogs at home. You have a team that, honestly, if you take out, like, let's play hypothetical. Obviously, I know the Niners ended up getting to the NFC Championship, and that all ended up turning out. But if they don't beat the Rams, nobody's talking about the Niners, how they're talking about them right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Rams, Week 17, the game that got them into the playoffs, if they don't win that game and they sit at home just like us, the whole media is not sucking them dry like the way they are right now. And I, it's most certainly not a seven-point line. Injury-wise, going into this game for us, so there's really no injuries. Uh, there's two people on the injury report. Wide receiver Valus Jones did not practice today on Wednesday. And then defensive lineman Dominique Robinson was limited with a knee injury. And then on the flip side of things for the 49ers, practice uh, their practice report for today, the do not – did not practice was uh, George Kittle for a groin injury, and then Daniel Brenskill with a hamstring. Limited Dre Greenlaw or Dre Gunlaw uh, linebacker, and then full participants. Even though it's not going to matter, I'm going to say it how I want to say it because it's our podcast. But Jimmy Garoppolo, he's the full participant for this week. Eric Armstead, full participant. Mike McGlinchey, my guy from Notre Dame, full full participant, and then Oren Burks. I challenge you guys to say full participant five times in the span of 10 seconds because I definitely – that was my tongue twister of the day. But no huge injuries. But if Kittle's not 100%, you got to think, like, where are those targets going to go? Because they can't well, – I say they can't. They can't just give it to Debo Samuel every play, but then we'll get to Sunday and he'll have, like, 35 touches. But where else do you think some of those touches go? Because I know they got quite a few talented receivers in the room. Man. I mean, I I love Brandon Ayuk. He was one of my favorite players in his draft class. He's a guy who hasn't gotten enough 
enough looks, enough targets in San Francisco as far as I'm concerned. And he's a guy who's kind of suffered from um, from Jimmy Garoppolo not being the deep ball passer that a lot of quarterbacks in the league are because that's really where he wins is deep down the field. Um, there are a lot of times I, I know I've seen 49ers fans talking about it before of like, Ayuk's getting open down there. It's just the throw's not being made or it's not being considered because it's it's not really a throw that is the most capable thing for that quarterback, which can be fine. It just sucks for Ayuk. And as a guy who really, really likes watching Ayuk and was really big on him in the draft. Um, it's one of the things that I was pretty excited about in fantasy this year was picking up Brandon Ayuk because Trey Lance has a big arm. And as I started to watch more Trey Lance film, I kind of, fell off that train a little bit recently, but uh, that was my initial thought was that getting Brandon Ayuk with a quarterback who can sling it is going to do so much for his career. But um, I'm not as sure of that anymore. But as far as where targets can go, I mean, I think Debo and Ayuk can do a lot of damage. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk is one of the most unique players in the league, honestly, after watching their film. I mean, he lines up out wide. He lines up in the backfield. He lines up as a tight end. He motions in and out of every spot. It's, I mean, the pure amount of mental capacity that it takes to do all he does on the field is a ton, let alone the physical capability that it takes. He's an impressive player. I think he'll definitely get some touches and targets out of that. He's just a football guy. Yeah. Just an old school football guy. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and Q's right. I mean, not, not, not much to else to add there, but you know, Debo is going to be targeted a ton. I mean, that's just kind of self-explanatory at this point. I think Ayuk is kind of the wild card. Uh, like Quentin said, can they push the ball down the field to Ayuk where he's the most valuable? If they can, then yeah, I, I think he's going to be valuable and get a lot of targets there. But I think even with that, right, like Kittle is just so valuable over the middle. And just as that safety blanket for any quarterback, I mean, that's kind of what most tight ends have become in today's NFL for a lot of their quarterbacks. It's going to be really interesting to see how they spread the ball around. I, I mean, again, if we're being totally truthful, like you said, you know, I mean, they have one of the most unique fullbacks in the league. And on top of that, they have a, a very good run game. So, you know, they're going to pound the rock. Um, they're probably going to try a lot of play action, trying to, trying to, you know, catch the bears sleeping. Maybe that's where they try to hit IU with some of those targets down the field. Uh, but if I, if I'm a betting man, I, I would not be surprised if Debo Samuel touches the ball 35 times on Sunday. I mean, that's completely plausible. Uh, at this point in my opinion, you haven't drafted your fantasy team for, you know, take just take Debo Debo Samuel. Or put him on like a DFS slip for this weekend. Cause he's going to get a lot of touches. So come to think of it, as Ron was talking, this just dawned on me. Um, when I was watching through Trey Lance's tape, the first game that I, his first start was against the Cardinals last year in a game where George Kittle was out. And I remember watching it all and then watching the second game being like, man, they're using a lot less two running back personnel now. Because through that Cardinals game, it was over like half the game. They had two running backs on the field in Elijah Mitchell and Kyle Juszczyk. Um so juice is the guy like that's the guy who's gonna gonna really make that make that offense go whether it's actually touching the ball or not um and they kept the ball on the ground a lot but he also did a lot in the passing game whether it was motions creating space just i mean he did he was very involved tinfoil hat theory debo got his money he doesn't care anymore He's just, he's just literally, he's just there. So he doesn't get fired. But yeah, we didn't talk about Elijah Mitchell. That isn't 
an emerging back in this league right now, someone that you definitely want to keep an eye on. They've been playing pretty well so far in their career. And then they have a quality offensive line. It's never really been an issue. So from a pass rush perspective, like you really have to be able to get home. Uh, our next comment in here, he says, Scott Crawford says, Eberflus is going to throw the kitchen sink at Lance. I think blitzing is going to be something that's key this week. Like send Roquan on the blitz, send extra pressure because like you talked about when you said you watched his film, you said he hasn't looked comfortable in any of the tape where it's just like, he's out there like a chicken with his head cut off. Young quarterbacks and pressure do not mesh well. And especially young quarterbacks that don't have their pro bowl tight end and pressure. It could be a disaster for him. Yeah. So what, what I actually noticed was that I, I was impressed with his ability to navigate pressure and his ability to keep his eyes up as he was scrambling. Uh, those were two of the things that he did do well on film. Um, most of the issues I saw came when there's a lot of guys in coverage and he doesn't know what coverage it is. And he's just kind of a deer in the headlights. Like when he threw two picks in those first two, in those two starts that he had, both were um, against middle field open, two high safeties. Um, He wants to attack the sidelines more than the middle of the field. It seemed like to me. Um, So I think you want that too. You want the two high, two high looks quite a bit, which can be challenging against San Fran with their run game because you 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 need to stop their run game first and foremost or else they'll never stop running. Um, it's amazing how that logic works. But um, It's the same I logic to see Jackson that we have and when we say run the damn ball, stop the yeah. damn run. I want to see Jackson and Brisker being too high pretty much all game. Now, like I said, they need to stop the run to make that a reality. Um, but he also, so, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, so he threw two picks against two high safeties, and he had two more almost interceptions against two high. Which t- I mean, he we're only talking about like eighty throws, and that was four interceptable balls. So it not maybe not probably not even eighty throws, probably way, probably like fifty throws and four yeah, interceptable. With the way their with the way their offense runs, they're not throwing it eighty times. Yeah. So like. To me, keep guys in coverage. I'm not too worried. Like I, I, what I worry about with blitzing is that you're just chasing a guy who's faster than you, and he he kept his composure fairly well under under pressure, um, and got the ball out pretty. Some of his best plays were under pressure when he was just natural in it and he wasn't thinking. So make him think is more kind of my thought. Yeah, it feels like Lance, especially now early in his career, where we, we've seen it with a number of quarterbacks, right? Like Mahomes admits that he just recently learned how to start reading defenses. Like a lot of these guys are truly athletes in the position, and that's why, you know, they they can play quarterback to the high level that they do, right? They have the freak arm talent. They have the ability to run. I mean, hell, Justin Fields at any point in time is probably at least what the fourth, fifth fastest guy on the entire field, right? <laughs> With four or five speed. Like, you know, he's he's no joke and he's a quarterback. I I, I really, I think that is such a great observation cue and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, you know, you have to imagine, right? Especially Eberflus and, and Williams are sitting there watching the tape. They're probably seeing that and they're like, okay, let's confuse the shit out of this kid this week. Let's, you know, let's roll coverage late, you know? 
you know, let's let's roll that, you know, that guy over the top late and he that he doesn't see. Let's let's have that linebacker up at the line of scrimmage faking blitz that kind of just drops into a soft coverage and maybe gets right in the throwing lane, you know. Just throw those crazy looks at him that he's not ready for. You know, and, and as much as you get coached up in the in a season until you see it and until you're competing against it on a regular basis, you're not going to get that familiar with it, right? Like you can sit there and pretend you learned it all you want you know, against your, your own guys, right? Like, like, like B-Don says against your own Jimmy's and Joe's. But at the end of the day, until you see it on a football field at true game speed, how is he going to react? And I think that's going to be the key. I, I love that observation. I mean, especially now, right with the, the 42 versus the, you know, the old school 34 that they were running, you're going to see probably a lot less blitzing. I mean, they'll probably blitz. Don't get it twisted, but they'll they'll probably get a lot more creative with the blitzing. I think you'll see like maybe Brisker drop down and come on a blitz off the edge, or maybe they'll send a corner and you know have Brisker fly out and take guy a guy in man, or have Jackson do the same on the other side. I, I'm just excited to see. I'm excited to see truly like as I think as excited as Bears fans are to see what the offense does this week and how they open the playbook. I'm as just as excited to see what the defense looks like because. Quite frankly, we haven't seen a 40-front defense in almost a decade. Yeah. Like, it's going to be kind of cool to see that again, and especially, you know, the the Tampa 2-inspired look that a lot of us grew up watching with those, you know, 2000s Bears teams. So I'm excited to see how they run the system and, and, and more so into your, you know, point, Quentin, how they kind of try to tease and trick Trey Lance into doing something stupid. Well, throwing it back to the, the, the Tampa 2 discussion, like, the first game I reviewed, Cardinals run a bare front most of the game, bringing five guys, most plays. You know, they're really attacking. His playmaking and athleticism shine through more in that game than in the second game, which was against the Lovey Smith decoordinated Texans, where it seemed like Kyle Shanahan, to me, was really protecting Lance in that game was really trying to simplify everything for him and give him easy stuff that he couldn't uh, make mistakes with. And he seemed much more hesitant and uh, careful with, or not careful, but just not, not convicted with his decision-making. Yeah. You're an NFL quarterback. So you better be fucking balls to the wall on the decision that you make. Cause if you throw a chicken shit pass, you're going to be looking at the back plate of some defensive back as he's just, doing the Dion, you know, primetime shuffle down the sideline. But especially this week, too, because I I know Scott from Iowa called for three turnovers. I think this could be a couple turnovers. I don't know if I'll say three because a lot has to go wrong for the Niners. But I could see an, at least one interception and then a scenario where we get, like, Robert Quinn in there, or Travis Gibson in there, and they are able to get a strip sack because – the way this defense works is it's going to be the the strength of this team. Like the offense right now, it still remains to be seen what we're actually going to get. Obviously all of us have high expectations for the offense, but well, I wouldn't say high expectations, but higher expectations than we've had in years past for our offense. And then on the defensive side of the ball, if this is a team that wants to compete and win more than five or six games, the defense is going to have to help carry that. Like offensively, we'll need the points, but week in and week out, can we say that we're going to be able to get 24, 27, 31 points? Probably not. So defensively, we have to be able to hold teams in that 24, 21-point range. And in this this NFL, 
it's not easy to do. I know me and Q have talked about it before, but it's got to be about complimentary football for this team and especially a young team with a new head coach. I think a lot of these games will be able to come out and punch teams in the mouth this week, especially where the Niners come in riding high off an NFC championship visit. They bring back most of their starters, right? The only one that isn't actually playing this week. I don't know if it's confirmed, but he wasn't on the injury report, Jimmy Ward. And I know you said something about it, Q. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But if Jimmy Ward is not in the game, that's huge for our receivers to be able to attack the the third level of that defense, the safeties. And they did have a few changes. Like their their interior O-line is all new. Three new guys. Um, One of them was a second-round pick last year, but he didn't play. I'm not sure if that was injury or not. He only had like five snaps on the year. Um, that's Aaron Banks at right guard. But at center, they're starting Jake Brendel. Um, they had Alex Mack last year, the former Falcon. Um, and they have a fourth-round pick, Spencer Burford at right guard. Yeah. Um, Banks, he's a dog. He went to Notre Dame. He was under the yeah. stand. Like, he played the last few years as a part of, honestly, the best line that I've seen. Outside of McGlinchey and Nelson, but I, yeah, I still think regardless of that, like when you have, what is it, Williams on the outside and McGlinchey on both tackle positions, like you're set. Yeah. And then they went and paid Charvarius Ward to play corner for him. Like that's a big upgrade on their defense from what they had. They were trotting Josh Norman. Yeah, I was about to say, dude, right when you said that, all I saw was the fucking white 41 in my eyes. And I'm like, Josh Norman was getting, like, legitimate burn on this team last year. It blew my mind. And then they also – I think it's DJ Jones at nose tackle. He he went up to Denver. Um, So, it's it's Javon Kinlaw's time to prove that he is worth having on their team um, for them. I mean, he he just – Not just just worth the contract, worth actually even being on. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't done much for it. He only played 8% of the snaps last year. And, again, he might That's have been injured. South Carolina, right? um, or, no, not even. I don't, he, I, he didn't even play enough snaps to qualify for my ratings last year. So, um, so in essence, he's not it's, a real person. He's talented, and the reports out of camp are that he's looking good, but not a real person. Yeah, not a real person. What was your fun <laughs> fact about Javon Kinlaw? Did you have a fun fact about him? Oh, I did not. That was that's uh the fun facts are NFL draft only. I was gonna say, I feel like for anybody that didn't catch the draft special, please go back and listen to it. <laughs> if nothing else, for the fun facts of Q's draft profiles, because they were some of them were epic. I mean, some of them you're just like, How the hell did you figure this out? And you know, and you had the story, right? You'd reach out to people that were like new them or whatever, and were like I need a fun yeah. Oh, I, I was Just reaching out to cousins, good. aunts, uncles. You know, trying to like high school friends, Hilarious. trying to get the dirt. <laughs> Jesus, incredible. So yeah, <laughs> offensively going into this game, what would you guys like? Ideally, what would you say is a good performance from the Bears this week offensively? Ooh, twenty-four points. And north of 300 yards of total offense, I think it's a good start for this team. Because I feel like so many times last season, like this team struggled to eclipse that 300-yard mark as a a total unit. 
I would love, I mean, obviously don't get it twisted. Would love to see a hundred yards out of Montgomery and 300 out of fields. I'm I, the greed is seeping in and makes me want to say that, but very realistically, I think, you know, somewhere in the, the two twenty five to two seventy five range for fields in terms of air yards would be great. Obviously you, you figure he's probably going to have at least 30 to 40 rushing yards. That's just probably going to be the name of the game for him. And then you would hope a guy like Montgomery can find 70 to a hundred yards against this. I mean, again, it's a very good 49ers defense. Like I think we need to kind of run it. Like I had to remind myself that like, this is a team that carried a very struggling Jimmy, Jimmy Garpopolo to the, to the, you know, to the playoffs last year and, and deep into the playoffs. Now he's, he's, now he's Jimmy Gulagio. Yeah. Now he's, he's Jimmy, Jimmy chilling on the bench. But I, I mean, I really think a very fair performance out of this team is somewhere between 20 and 24 points. Like, I think that's that if they walk away, like if this is a barn burner and it comes down to the end and they lose by like two points and they score over 20, I'm not terribly mad at that result. Granted, I think they can absolutely win, right? We, we, we had it over here earlier in the comments from Scott, you know, bears by a hundred this weekend, but um, I, I, I think that 20 to 24 point range for me is kind of that sweet spot with, you know, three to 330 yards of total offense, I think would be nice. T, what about you? Four drives of 50 yards or more and two red zone touchdowns. That's what I want to see. I want to see that they can maintain a drive and that they can score in the red zone. Because if they can do, if they can show those two things, then it's only going to get better from there. You know, if they can't do if they can't do either of those things, I start to worry. All right, so I'm gonna go super meatball. This is gonna sound crazy, right? You guys are gonna be like, "All right, what are you talking about?" I do not want Justin Fields to get sacked one time, not once. He can get tackled when he runs, right? Like when he runs and he leaves the pocket. If he doesn't slide, which we know he's not a talented slider. That's fine. But week one, first week of the season, the entire world has talked shit about how bad the Bears offensive line, ourselves included. Go out there and keep Justin Fields off the dirt. Give him time to throw and give that running game time to attack. And the rest takes care of itself. But as as Ron would know, an offensive lineman's perfect game is a game in which their quarterback does not get sacked. I would like to see that from this makeshift offensive line. Going to knock on wood because I don't think it's going to happen, but why not us? Nick Bose is going to be tough. <laughs> I mean, so I was I was curious it, when putting together my, my game preview whether, you know, he, he played a side or not. He's like a 50-50 split either side. He's going to be testing uh, Braxton Jones early and often. Um, and, I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll play both sides and be testing Larry Borum too. We'll, we'll find out. Um, but hopefully his Chicago roots come out in him and he uh, just, you know, doesn't have that good a game. His, uh, I don't know if you all know this. His great-grandfather is Tony Accardo, the Chicago mob boss. The old Chicago mob boss, once upon a time. That's dope. <laughs> also, shameless plug for you, Qu uh, Quentin. People can go read your preview of it on tipsports.com. We highly encourage it because if you like numbers, 
Uh, Quentin's previews are literally made, tailor-made for you on a silver platter if you like stats and numbers like me because I'm a nerd at that shit too. And I'm excited to read it. I'm going to read it as soon as we're off the show. So I'm encouraging everybody else to. Again, shameless plug for your for your great work, Quentin. We have to yeah. get that in there. Let's go yeah, check like- it out. I put I put hours and hours of work into these game previews. So I, uh, I love seeing them do some numbers. I like numbers. I'm just not a numbers guy myself. So it's good to have a numbers guy on the show because I would be sitting here like this. There was one show I think I held up. I was like four. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the if you can't see us on the, on the screen. But yeah, I am the resident dork. But yeah, other than that, offensively, like I want to see some sort of rhythm too. Like you don't want to see what we saw in the first week of the preseason where we're sitting here at halftime and it is whatever the 49ers have to zero or three. I'd like to see the expectations are so goddamn low. Score a first half touchdown, okay? Just if you don't do anything else in this game, at least give me hope going into the half, right? But I think there's going to be a lot more than that. I know we talked about it, but – Justin Fields is poised to have a breakout year and what better game to start than week one. So secondary is not the best that he's going to see all season. So why not get guys like Bayless Jones and Darnell Mooney involved early? Cole Komet, a lot of people have been talking about him having a big year. So I just did the Birdman hand rub. Like I'm thinking about my guy Cole Komet finally getting involved in the offense. But there's so many different guys that are hungry in this offense for opportunity. And it has to start week one. We have to start with some sort of pace to this season because if we come out there and look like shit week one, it's just like, oh, here we go again. When you know, because you know the Bears for the last, honestly, ever since we've started this show, Ron, even when it was the many co-hosts before you guys, there has always, always, always been like a five-game losing streak, and. We cannot afford to have one of those this year. I think Justin Fields starts this season off. With, I'll give you a stat line, Ron, since you kind of put out a stat line. I'll say Justin Fields, 300 yards, three total touchdowns Sunday. Am I crazy? Am I nuts? I said 300 total, so like we know we're not going to get 300 in the air. Right, right. Could be, could be rushing too. Yeah, yeah. Well, he just I, runs I, for 299 throws for a yard. I was just saying, if 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 I'm going to throw, you know, we know you have beat on Amatapias. I'm going to throw you around Amatapia here really quick, and it, let's call a spade a spade. We know you're crazy, period. But from a football perspective, my friend, I don't think that's crazy at all. I, I mean, fuck. We saw Justin Fields in the Cleveland Browns game in one half put up a hundred and what? It was like 156 yards through the air in one half. I mean, yeah, that's pre- pretty yeah. pretty pre-season, fantastic. Preseason or not, and he had a perfect quarterback rating. So his yeah. his passing total for this weekend is 198.5 yards. So yeah, here, beat on same game parlay of the game. Justin Fields over 198 and a half. Justin Fields over 34 and a half rushing Chicago Bears money line. It already hit. It already hit. Do y'all know what he did last year against San Fran? I don't have the stats in front of me, but I do remember he, him having a pretty He had one of the um, craziest uh fourth down plays I've ever seen in my yeah. entire life. 175 passing yards, 103 rushing yards, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown. Dude, now so that you think about what, it. 200 278 yards, two touchdowns. 
I bet so on his passing yards last year in this game now that I think about it, so I have to do it again because <laughs> I can't be wrong twice because then it would be a mistake, and then it's actually it's, – it's not gambling if you win, right? As long as you break even. Yeah. Well, fifty-four percent or whatever it is, but some other. All right, so some other notes. So we talk. We always talk about it before a game, but the Bears for this week are seven-point underdogs. And Quentin, you said something about forty-two and a half, but I see forty for the total for the game. It might have come down. I think it was forty-two and a half when I bet it yesterday. Okay, maybe it was so, forty-one and a half. I bet it was forty-one and a half. So now the over/under is forty, and then. A couple other just interesting lines that we saw when we were we were all going ooh and ah when we were looking at these before the uh, the stream was Cole Komet thirty three and a half uh, receiving yards that's a very low number for Komet Mooney's number is fifty seven and a half and then they have Montgomery on there for fifteen and a half receiving yards and fifty three and a half rushing yards so a lot of that's one thing that Quentin I know you can explain this a lot better than I can but a lot of betting value on betting underdogs, even in props, because the lines are, what would you say, maybe deflated the other way, right? Like, you're telling me David Montgomery can't get 54 rushing yards? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some value there at 54. I mean, that's – that seems low. I mean, I, I – If he just I does one of his David Khalil Montgomery Herbert. runs, if he just does the run once, yeah. it's over. Hey, it, they usually come in the first few weeks of the season, too. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense. He's, he's a bruiser. and He's healthy right now. He's not banged up yet. You know, I mean, he, he he could break that in the first half with one big run. I mean, I'm not saying he will necessarily, but 54, it seems, I feel pretty solid at 54 unless Vegas knows that Khalil Herbert's getting more run than I think he is. See, and that's what happened to me uh my my first lock of the year in college was unfortunately unlocked when Chris Tyree got six carries last week. So I will wait. Uh, it's a, it's I'll sprinkle. I'll sprinkle only because we talked about it on the show. But what if it is? What if it is a rat line and we get there on Sunday and then it's just like Khalil Herbert twenty carries and three dropped catches. Yeah. Although I picked him up in fantasy, so I am like. I am such a uh, hypocrite, if that's what you will say, because I, <laughs> I picked him up in, like, the 14th round of my fantasy draft, and I'm saying, eh, I know he's going to get a little bit of play. Like, he should get some points. You know what I kind of like is uh, David Montgomery over two and a half receptions. Mm. Right? Is that just even on both sides? I'm not sure what the odds are. I'm just I'm seeing it uh, through a third-party site that's just, like, just showing what the different yeah. lines are. Dude, yeah. that is that is a good one because Justin Fields getting you out of the flats, couple checkdowns. 15 and a half receiving yards, too. Dude, I might just make like I might unless, just put, unless Ebner's becoming a real third down back. Dude, like I'm literally a putting play. a five a five dollar parlay on on the Monty parlay and it fields all Monty and all fields parlay to only fields. I need Joey's shirt in the show is that, right now. Is that Montgomery Fields? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, dude. And then too, like we could get into some of the anytime touchdowns, but uh, any of the Bears players that you pick, as long as you pick the right one, pays out nicely. We assure you of that. So, and think about it like this. 
They're probably going to score at least two or three touchdowns, right? Another bet. I hope. Hey, Ron (laughs) said three touchdowns in a field goal, and that's that's the bare minimum for Ron. So the ceiling for this game, though, is probably like 31 points. Like, let's be honest. We're not going to go out there and just absolutely obliterate the 49ers. But could you could you imagine, though, if they came out and put 35 up on the Niners? Oh, that'd be hilarious, dude. I Sh- honestly would Chicago be like, would be in hysteria on Monday morning talking about it. Oh, my God. Dude, the whole national media would be losing their minds because, did you see, too? We haven't even talked about it. ESPN put out their power rankings for week one. The 32nd ranked team in the NFL, the Chicago Bears. So, before my head explodes, I'm going to put myself on mute, and I'll let one of our more mild-mannered hosts uh, explain where they're feeling on this because I am beside myself at the fact that they put us as the worst team in the NFL before a game has even been played. I think there's I think there's a number of teams that are worse than the Chicago Bears. I can think of, like, three of them off the top of my head immediately. Uh, and that being the Atlanta Falcons, the Houston Texans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I, I don't understand. I get it, right? The Bears are tearing it down. The Bears are turning turning it around. They're changing the roster. They're changing everything. But son of a bitch, this team isn't trotting out a bunch of fucking D3 starters. Like, these are still NFL players. You still have Eddie Jackson in your in your secondary. You, you have two high draft picks in your secondary. You know, you still have a, a second-round pick from a few years ago in Jalen Johnson. Roquan's not a nobody. The front four is quite solid. I mean, you still have Robert Quinn, who's coming off an 18-and-a-half sack season. Like, and most of that was without Khalil Mack. So, like, I I don't understand how – again, and you know what it is. And and maybe, B-Don, I don't know if you put yourself on mute was going to do much because maybe I'm going to take some of your your anger here, too. You cannot sit here and tell me that the national media pays that much attention to the Chicago Bears because they fucking don't. They let's just call a spade a spade here, right? There's the Ronomatopoeia coming out again. This it, it's it's mind blowing to me how much you you hear the national media just sucking off these teams like. You know, the New York Jets are going to be good this year. That's and, literally and, what I was just about to say. Yeah, like, fucking Jets, dude. The Jets the, are not good. No, the 49er, Trey Lance is the next best thing since Joe Montana. And, like, no. Like, you know who's another team I just figured out, too, who's worse than the Bears? The Seattle Seahawks, who got their shit kicked in by the Bears in the preseason. Like, I was waiting for you to say them, too, because that is the actual worst team in the NFL. Yeah, like, it, I it, – you know what it is, Beaton. You know what it is, Quentin. It is national ignorance to the team, to the oldest team in the NFL, and to the team in the Midwest, the monsters at the Midway, the Chicago Bears. Nobody wants to talk about them because they're rebuilding. That's plain and simple. That's what it is. Because they're not sexy. They don't have the big names on defense. You know, Chicago's not this glamorous market, right? It's not New York and it's not Los Angeles. Who gives a fuck? It's Chicago. We're a bunch of blue collar, take your pail to work on, on Sunday and just get the job done. And guess what? If this team starts to rattle off wins, people are going to be, all oh, they're fake. They're fake. They're not building anything meaningful. The people who really know, you can tell who's really tuned into the NFL on a national landscape. And I think a lot of the NFL network people, admittedly, are very in tune. 
Um, uh, two people in particular from the Good Morning Football crew, Peter Schrager and, and Kyle Brandt, I think are both very in tune to national uh, the national landscape as a whole in the NFL. Because both of them even said, they're like, hey, yeah, maybe the Bears aren't a playoff team this year. But, like, they're doing the right things to build this in the correct direction. If this team wins seven games this year even, which which still hits it hits our overbeat on, it hits our fucking over of six and a half. Which is if plus they, 150 now. Oh, I should have waited to bet it, damn it. But I think we still got it at, like, 120. It's not a bad bet. There's but, still time to get your stock in. Just get more. Just buy more stocks. Buy more stocks. More stocks. <laughs> but, like, again, this team could win seven games this year, show meaningful improvement, and have $104 million in cap space next year with the next best highest team having $55 million. Are you fucking kidding me? The national, there's nothing more that pisses me off than the national NFL media thinking they know shit about the Chicago Bears. Fuck them. Fuck, fuck their 32nd ranking. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cool off now. Quentin, you're more level-head. Please take the mic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so – Really, I, I got pulled up right here, and I'm just thinking it through. Like, teams who I think the Bears are better than, assuming young quarterbacks continue to be exactly what they've shown to be. No progression by any young quarterback or all equal progression across the board. Because I, I can't sit here and tell you whether Trevor Lawrence is going to take a bigger step than Justin Fields. You know, I can just work off what's out there. To me, the Jets – the Texans, the Jaguars, the Giants, uh, the Falcons, and the Seahawks are all teams that I would consider the Bears to be probably better than. Um, and then I can also throw in, like, the Panthers. They got Baker. It's going to make them better. But I still think they're a toss-up against, uh, against the Bears in the game, if I was betting it. it. I could see it going either way. It's a coin flip. Um, I can say the same thing about the Dolphins. Until Tua shows that he is more, everything else is just, you know, it's a, what's, what's the thing in office space? Everything else is just flair. It's all just flair until Tua shows that he can do something with it. Um, in, a, in a game too, not on a social media clip that's been edited. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, honestly, the Steelers, I think are a toss up with the Bears. Like they're, they have a great defense. Don't get me wrong. Bears took him down to the last second last year, and I don't know if they're a better team this year. Um, and, yeah, that's really – I mean, honestly, I there's a few other teams I could throw in there as being toss-ups, like maybe Washington. Um, the Lions, I think, are a toss-up. They added a lot of good talent, but until they do something with it, I have, I have a hard time – like believing that they're that much better than what the bears have right now. Um, so much of it is coaching too. Like the bear, I trust the bears coaching staff a lot. They have a veteran staff guys who know what they're doing, have taught players, have helped players get off plateaus, reach their potential. Like these guys are all proven NFL coaches, the entire staff. It's an, it's an impressive staff. I mean, it's not like, we think back to, to Matt Nagy's staff when he's bringing in Mike Furry, who wasn't coaching anywhere really ever, like, like on the NFL level, to be his wide receiver coach. That's not this staff. This staff is a bunch of guys who have, you know, they're, they have their merits. They're, they're up on the wall and saying, this is what I've done in the league, and they could get a job with just about any team if there's an opening. So that, to me, goes a long way in this 
but the national, like, you know, ESPN doesn't, they, they like to stoke our market a little bit because it gets them, gets views and clicks and um, really just makes you say, I got to pay attention to who I'm paying attention to. Like you said, Ron, there, there's people out there who are really in touch with this stuff and give great takes. And there's people out there who give hot takes. And I'm not a big fan of hot takes personally. You also have to remember Matt Eberflus has never in his coaching career lost a game as the head coach of the team. Wasn't that Undefeated. Undefeated. 3-0. As a lot pointed out in the comments in a previous show, the Bears have won their last four preseason games. But this week, 49ers at home. Week one, always kind of a weird week, but I want to know some predictions. So, Ron, do you have a final score prediction and then – We'll go offensive and defensive key players for this week's game. You want them all at once, all rattled into just, just one all thing in, Just all in one Ron Rito. All right. Just roll it up. Just in one big old Ron Rito. We'll roll it up for you here real quick. Um, final score prediction. I think this one's going to be a nail-biter. I think it's going to be a close score. I'm going to say 24-20 Chicago Bears. Uh, coming out on top over the Niners, I think. I think. I think that over hits. Um, obviously, given my score prediction, I think it's. I think it's fair over. I really do. The early part of the NFL season is when you can catch on all of these overs and everything, because like even even Vegas is still trying to figure out where everybody stands. But um, key offensive player, obviously, the easy one would just be to say Justin Fields, right? So I'm not going to go that direction. I'm going to go a little more off the board, and I'm actually going to say a guy that you love and adore, beat on, uh, and that is none other than Cole Komet. I think Cole Komet has a big week this week. Yeah, see, Joey knows. Joey knows. 24 to 20. That bad. Um, no, but I, I truly think <laughs> – Joey says, yeah, you're on, get out of my head. But I truly, I truly think Cole Komet is a key this week, and I think he's going to – because – Everybody has heard all offseason, right, about the, the connection that Fields and Mooney have. Nobody's talked about, based on what we've seen from camp highlights, the connection that it seems like Cole Komet and Fields have. And I think Cole Komet this week could be a game changer, especially down the middle, really opening up, you know, some targets for guys like Mooney, for some guys like, um, you know, the, the, the seven-headed monster that is Pringle, Pettis, insert names here. Like, I really do think he can help stretch the field, and I think that's just going to help the run game as well if, if Komet's becoming a monster for the 49ers to have to worry about. So he's my offensive player, my defensive player. This one, this one's going to probably surprise some people. And it's entirely indicative on if George Kittle plays or not, but it's Dane Crookshank. Because he's kind of filling in on that role of like comes in as a third safety who can cover a tight end because he's big and can run well. I really think he's a key defensive player. That's if Kittle plays. If Kittle doesn't play, I'm still going to stick in the secondary. I think Jaquan Brisker needs to be a difference maker this week, and I think he's going to do that from the safety spot. So it's going to be one of the two safeties on defense and, and, and Cole Komet for me on offense. Q, how about you? Yeah, so for – Score prediction, just taking it straight from my article. So y'all don't think I'm piggybacking. 24 to 23 Bears. So three-point difference right there. there. Um, and then, Is there a safety? Is there a safety in there somewhere? Nope, just a couple field goals. 
Um, more than a few field goals. But so offensive player, it's Braxton Jones. He's got to handle Nick Bosa, man. Nick Bosa is going to be the best player on the football field as far as proven, proven production, talent, uh, sitting at the peak of his career, looking for a contract extension after this season. Uh, got 20 in it, been, been in on 26 sacks in his career, 37 tackles for loss, 160 pressures in 35 games. This guy's a game record. Braxton Jones is going to have his hands full. The Bears need to get him some help there. But even with help, Nick Bose is tough. And it's a lot to ask of a fifth-round rookie. But if he can do it, it's going to help. It's going to mean so much for the Bears' offense because, like I said, he's just a game wrecker. Um, on defense, I'm going with Eddie Jackson. I was between Brisker and Jackson, but since you already said Brisker, I'm going to go Jackson. I don't know how they're going to rotate these safeties. Um, Jackson's one of the best in the NFL with late rotations, um, which I think they're going to throw a lot out there. But it's also something that Brisker's been skilled at is those late rotations. And they're going to be able to do some fun stuff with the two safeties back there on defense this year. And I think they have a real chance to to force some turnovers against Trey Lance in this game from the safety position. For my score prediction, I'm going to go, I'll say, I'll say 27-24. I think it's a little bit of a shootout, like over 50 total points. I think the Bears get a little bit of help from Cairo, two field goals from him, three touchdowns. Offensively, hmm. I'm going to go with Monty. I think early in this game, I think we need to set the tempo with the running game to kind of build the the foundation for the rest of the offense to flourish, right? So kind of keep the Niners honest on the, you know, front seven by using Monty a lot early in the game. And then when the defense starts to creep up, that's when you throw Darnell Mooney or Valus Jones over the top. One of the seven-headed monsters, Byron Pringle and the rest of the game. Any of those guys – can all go up and make plays on this secondary because it's not like you're going up against a top secondary in the league. On the defensive side of the ball, I want to see a big game out of Roquan. Now, you know the 49ers are going to come in here and try to run the football, dictate the line of scrimmage, and try to push us around and really just play bully ball, if you will. That's kind of the 49ers' brain is bully ball. Don't let that happen because if you come in, you know, if you come into Sunday and let the Niners kind of push us around at our home field, it's going to be a long Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised if Roquan has like 10 to 15 tackles this weekend. Like I'm not even being – some of them will obviously be assists and stuff like that, but 10 to 15 total tackles, totally not out of the realm of possibility. I know it's just his first game back. He didn't play in the preseason, but you also remember, he didn't sign his contract. So this is a guy that is going to – if you didn't think he already emptied the bucket on every play, is going to leave quite literally everything out there, including his meat right there on the table. But – you're not going to come here and find us giving predictions that the Bears are going to lose. So we got all three of us with Bears wins. I'm pretty sure all three of us are are going to be on the Bears plus seven, maybe a little money line too. We had Joey come in and say Bears 24-20. We got another guy in the comments, Scott from Iowa. He's 32-14 Bears. Scott is feeling himself. He said the defense gets three interceptions, Monty 115, Fields 250, and a Jackson pick six. You know what? 
add Eddie Jackson interception to the house, to, to my bet slip. Quentin, I'm going to need to get in touch with you on Sunday to find out the guy, whoever I can go to, to get an Eddie Jackson touchdown on my bet slip, and we will be fully ready to roll when Eddie Jackson gets his touchdown. That is like two years overdue because you got so many of them called back. But other than that, I mean, it's game week. Do we have any, any final things that we want to get out there before uh, I hit the red button? Yeah, I got I got something. So I, I wrote about this summit in uh, in the game preview article, but Matt Eberflus has been a football coach for thirty one years. Thirty one years. He's finally getting that moment to coach his own team, to step on on the field and lead his men. I mean, that's just it's what dreams are made of. Like it's awesome. And he's not just getting to do it; he's getting to do it with the charter franchise. Like, this guy was a star linebacker at the University of Toledo, and now he gets to go coach the team that Bill George, Dick Buckkiss, Mike Singletary, Brian Erlacher, Doug Buffone, Lance Briggs, Otis Wilson, and so many more linebackers just were the stars of. Linebacker to linebacker, head coach of the charter franchise. This is a dream come true. And I'm excited for him and to see him go do it. Q, you got me ready to run through a freaking wall with that just now. I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to look at a little more analytical note here. I think I'm just excited to watch the training wheels come off. Right. I think there are so many uncertainties. There are so many, you know, what ifs both defensively and offensively schematically I'm just ready for the training wheels to come off and see what this team is made of. But son of a bitch, when I watch Matt Eberflus run out on Sunday Q, I'm going to be yelling and screaming and pumping my chest because that speech you just gave was electric, my friend. And it's <laughs> it's got me ready for Sunday. So hopefully uh, Eberflus has the boys ready for Sunday. But like you said, I'm sure he will. This man's been waiting a long time for this opportunity. He's not going to let it go to waste. Absolutely. And that's the Eberflus difference as opposed to Matt Nagy and the Wise and all that bullshit. But, yeah, Sunday is, by the time you're hearing this episode, only about 48 to 72 hours away. This season is, you know, expectations aren't too high. They're not too low, maybe somewhere in the middle. But us at Bears on Tap will be here to cover it for you guys. We'll be back with you guys right after the final whistle on Sunday to recap. Hopefully uh, a victory, no heartache, no heartbreak week one. We want to go 1-0 this week, and we'll be on to, to week two. But right now San Francisco is on the clock, and we got to find a way to win a football game this week. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me at BDON300. You can follow Quinn at ButtKissStats, and then you can follow Ron at loose, loose on Tap. And like I said, we'll be back with you guys, we'll say about 3.30, 3.45 on Sunday, and bear down. Bear done. Bear done.